Hello, welcome to Seattle on Tap. I am Courtney Jacobson. And I am Ashley Toten. Happy Monday to you. And to you, Miss. <laughs> or Thursday, because, you know, that's when we're recording. Or whenever you're listening, dear friends. <laughs> How's it going? It's going. It feels like Thursday. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long ass week, but considering that, not bad. Yeah. I'm tired, but I'm not as brain dead lethargic as I was last week. No. <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar. I'm just mostly, yeah. oh, a nap sounds nice. Oh, yeah. I was like that this morning. Like, why did I get up so early? <laughs> oh man. What's been going on? <sighs> Got the burps. <laughs> the bit. Oh, what has been going on? Well, the weather's back to normal. That's nice. I didn't have mm -hmm. to show my tables out to serve at the bar this weekend. So that's yeah. nice. That is good. <laughs> It, in fact, it went from being like kind of winter to mm -hmm. full winter. And now it feels like spring. It totally feels like spring. Have you noticed that birds are chirping in the morning again already? Oh yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. And the rest of the nation is still having crazy winter stuff. And we're like, oh, you guys are still doing the winter thing. We, we moved on. <laughs> we did that for days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we had that already. <laughs> Ever moved to Seattle because it rains here all the time. The weather's mm -hmm. shitty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, in all fairness and honesty, it has definitely been raining. Yes, it has. But for us, the fact that there is slightly more warmth and the occasional sun break we're like, yeah. Speaking of rain, uh, I believe it was Tuesday. I texted you mm -hmm. uh, and didn't bring any rain gear because I wasn't expecting it to rain and it was mm -hmm. fucking boring. Um, get about halfway home and Daniel's having some back pain. So I offered to stop at Bartels to get him some like, you know, lidocaine patches and whatever. Nice. Yeah. And, um, I'm leaving the Bartels, which mm -hmm. if you don't live in Seattle area. It's like, um, CVS or save on, or like one of those kinds of stores, like a drugstore, yeah. Rite Aid, whatever. Um, so I'm leaving there. I typical day walking across in the rain, getting fucking pelted on mm -hmm. the right of way. I called the little walking guy on the lights bing i've named him bing, <laughs> it's my turn i start walking this guy is about to make a turn right turn on his red he yeah. looks in the face and then looks left at oncoming traffic and decides to gun it and uh, it hits the car <laughs> i still can't even believe that <laughs> and yeah, I I mean I full on like had to kind of yoga pose myself onto his hood because I was like, oh, he's gonna take me down. Mm -hmm. 
and was yelling a lot. There were lots of people around, all of whom were watching, but not saying or doing anything, which is also right, yeah, just stunned. Like what? <laughs> and the guy kind of kept going for a minute and then finally stopped. And like he made it out into the intersection, but not all the way, like not around the corner, uh-huh. um, like a couple of feet probably. And didn't say anything. Didn't like see if I was okay. I just like slid off of his car and kept walking. Cause I was like mostly pissed off. Yeah. And then by the time I got to the, the, you know, next light to make my next, you know, crossing yeah. to get home, he rolled his window down and just went, Hey, I'm really sorry. Okay. Hey, I'm really sorry. And I just looked at him oh and didn't, my God. <laughs> I just like shook my head at him. Like you son of a bitch. And then just kept walking. I was so angry, <sighs> but I'm fine. Yeah. Morally. I don't even have a bruise. I had like, which is a, yeah, funny to me. I just had a really tense shoulder muscles. And I think that's cause I tensed up and cause I kind of haven't been practicing yoga and essentially did the crow pose on the hood of his car. So I didn't die. Crazy (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that was my adventure for the week. So wild. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, did you scream? A little bit. Good. You deserved it. You just got back from a little getaway. Yeah, I had a little um mini girls trip with some of my close lady friends that we've been kind of all quarantine bubbling. We rented a house at the ocean and spent two nights without husbands or children. And it was not exciting or crazy. It was definitely not the um girls nights of our youth for sure. But, uh, it was pretty amazing to just be relaxed and hang out with your, your girlfriends in a house and drink some wine, eat food. <laughs> Sounds so nice. Oh my God. Lots of ordering food to, to hang out there and just sitting around having all kinds of conversations and catching up on stuff. It was nice. Yeah. Um, we of course, walked on the beach because two of us are very much like you can't get this close you can't take me to the ocean and then not let me at least walk around on the ocean beach you know so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so it was nice to see the ocean for a little bit and it was raining (laughs) but you know (laughs) yeah totally Uh, you'll love this because i so i'm a similar person i Mm -hmm see the beach I'm just so that's like the only thing I miss about living in Orange County is like yeah. going having said that when I was like 25 maybe 24 I did a ladies trip to Ocean Shores and I hadn't mm-hmm. been to Ocean Shores since I was like a little little kid mm-hmm. and my first reaction when I saw the ocean and it was 90 degrees outside by the way mm-hmm. when we went I was so excited. I went running through the sand and jumped into the water. It's fucking cold. It is so deceiving how fucking cold the ocean is up here. And I was expecting it to be like Southern California temps and was like, oh my God. 
It was terrible. It was so cold, but it was beautiful. Yeah, it's so pretty. <laughs> yep. It's funny too, because you can just keep walking and walking and walking, and then you're still not that close to the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are you drinking over there? Well, um, it does sort of pertain to my story, kind of, um, mm-hmm. in I guess. Um, but this episode comes out on the first day of, um, women's history month. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would only be appropriate to drink the Didal Dulatev, which, um, broken down. So the first part means the mad. And then the second part of it is like slang for crazy bitch or witch. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, and this beer is uh, brewed in a traditional Belgian Trappelle style. Um, it is a very dense, malty, but still like uh, it says that it has candy sugar added in the, the kettle. So uh-huh. it's got a, some funk, a little bit of sweetness. Then it also has this really fun hoppiness to it. Um, and it's about 30 IBU and it's just, um, Golding's hops are added to the brew kettle, um, to bitter it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that funk, sweetness, hoppiness. Yeah. Amazing. It's also unfiltered and unpasteurized, which is kind of interesting, uh, which lends to the mouthfeel quite a bit. Um, and it is 10%. So Ooh. crazy bitch means business. Heck yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking over there you were hooming and hawing with pleasure over there and I don't know what yeah. it is I mean nothing quite so fun like yours but it's just good um drinking repartee which is a collaboration with Moore Brewing Company and St. Errant Brewing. And this is a double dry hopped, double India pale ale. And shoot, have it. Oh yeah, 8% alcohol. It's just um, a really nice, clean, Easy IPA, um, but you can, you know, sometimes it's just super crisp and crazy, you know, really easy to drink. And then other times it's got that really fluffy mouthfeel. This one has that really fluffy, cloudy mouthfeel. Good. I have the burps rolled out. I'm sorry. I keep trying to do silent burps and it's not working out. Um, oh, I also forgot to mention, I'm sure people figured it out, but uh, Didal is from, uh, or Didale, I think I'm saying it wrong. Um, they are from Belgium. Mm. Yeah. All right. So I am going first today. And of course, because it is our opening of Women's History Month. I am going to talk about one of the most badass lady outlaws to ever live in the wild motherfucking West. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) 
So Bell's star was born February 5th, 1848. In her birth name was Myra Maybell Shirley. She is a distant relative of the McCoys of Hatfield and McCoys. So if that'll attest to the um, spirit that she was born with <laughs> and gumption, if you will. Oh, <laughs> she later became known as the Bandit Queen. Uh, she was born in Carthage, Missouri, one of which Missouri was at the time one of the western moats words. Missouri was one of them. Looper. At the time, Missouri was one of the westernmost points of the United States. I mean, obviously we knew there was more land out there, but civilized and established areas of the United States. <laughs> and um, it was also kind of a end of the line last point trading slash merchant spot for a lot of trains and obviously people that were about to go explore out west maybe go try to stake their claim and you know do the whole Oregon Trail thing so uh she was born into a fairly large family but obviously at the time not really large for their standards. Um, but her big brother, Bud, was her biggest, I guess, closest sibling and her biggest um, influence growing up. He taught her to ride horses and like to basically be a master horseman. And then also he taught her very, very well how to handle weapons. She was later known for always having a six shooter or two or more on her hip. Yeah. Um, I really <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. Um, of course, civil war broke out. Her family sadly was on the wrong side. Um, her brother Bud fought with a group of raiders that attacked Union soldiers. And uh, his raider crew included the likes of the James brothers, the Jesse and Frank James brothers, among others. Um, eventually, her brother Bud died in a gunfight between Union and Confederate soldiers. Uh, not necessarily a battle, but it was just a big gunfight in town one day. Um, yeah. <laughs> Belle, the fact that, you know, this was her mentor basically growing up vowed to avenge her brother's death and joined his crew of raiders but soon after all of this happened um her family moved to texas also the union won yay <laughs> uh eventually she got real sick of being in texas she um, had paired up and uh, 
had been courted by a man named Jim Reed in Texas. He was a bit wild like her. He also was part of the crew that her brother ran in. Um, he tried his hand at farming in Texas, but he was just too stir crazy and too wild. So the two of them got married and um, they ran off with their crew. Um, she did, however, before they got married, have a bit of an on and off kind of fling with Cole Younger, who, again, a very famous, well-known name in the whole outlaw Wild West times. He was also a part of their crew. Um, yeah, she had a lot of relations with him. <laughs> and, but they ended up kind of not really sticking anything out. And she did settle down with Jim Reed. About two years after she and Jim Reed got married, she gave birth to um, her daughter who went by the name Pearl. Um, and there are many rumors that, that Pearl is actually Cole Younger's daughter. Oh, dang. But there's nothing really to really back that up, but you never know. I love um, the name, by the way. <laughs> I love well, that. Her name was actually Maybell, but she went by Pearl. <laughs> I, I I like her choice better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jim became a wanted man, as one does when they're robbing stagecoaches and stealing horses and robbing lots of people and banks and you know all the things that outlaws did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he went on the run. He and the crew, obviously, along with. Uh, with Belle and um, while on the run she of course was not just kind of sitting by clutching her pearls being like oh you guys what are you doing no she had her shotgun and her six shooters and she was right there along with them helping as one of the members of the crew um they also had since added another member named Sam Starr. Uh, he was of Cherokee descent and um, his family made whiskey and had quite a bit of land in what would become the Oklahoma Territory. Um, at some point while they were all on the run, she gave birth to her son, who was definitely Jim Reed's son. Um, but in uh, 1874, the warrants for all these folks arrests kind of caught up with them. And uh, Jim Reed got shot and killed by an undercover deputy. Ooh, dang. The rest of the crew, along, of course, with, with Bellstar, got away. Um, Bell didn't really mourn his death for very long, if at all. And she spent her time stealing horses, 
and assisting in many other robberies and stick-ups and all of that. Uh, she had a short-lived second marriage that lasted just three weeks. <laughs> moved on to Sam Starr. And he ended up being kind of the leader of the crew after Reed had passed on. Um, and uh, she and Sam got married on some of his family's land. Uh, the two of them were actually very happy and very much a duo, just going traveling all over the Wild West and the South, just, you know, stealing horses, robbing banks, robbing stagecoaches, all the stuff. Um, and until Sam actually ended up dying in a gunfight, in fact, a duel with a lawman in 1886. <laughs> so after that, she didn't really settle down again for a while. She took up a few lovers here and there, just kind of running shit, kind of. Okay. And yeah, <laughs> just like, screw it. I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did end up finally marrying Jim July, um, who, again, another fairly well-known name in the whole outlaw shebang back then. Uh, the two, at one point, decided to make a trip to Arkansas. Jim July had a court hearing, something to do with I don't know, some of their horse robberies, things like that. Um, so he ended up going off to jail for a while. And um, she went to visit some family real quick. Uh, her son, who was about 19 at the time, was staying with some family. Um, and uh, she was hoping to kind of see him, but I guess when she stopped at the family's house to have dinner or lunch or whatever he had just left and uh so she missed him but she rode home on her own well attempted to ride home on her own and at some point during her trip passing through oklahoma and she got ambushed and died by two gunshots and was just left for dead out in the plains. Jesus. Um, yeah. Some say it was a man named Edgar Watson, who was, again, another kind of Wild West crazy one. He was from Florida, but had been leasing some land from her. And he was a, a known violent person and had murdered a few people and um there are some stories that that she was told not to associate with known criminals and so she had pretend she had possibly tried to kick him off her land or something but there's also a lot of stories saying that that's not true so who knows mm -hmm. um he was actually charged for her murder at 
well, not charged, but he was suspected for her murder and thrown in jail for it for a bit. But then they released him and said, well, maybe you didn't do it. Um, the other theory was, remember how I said her son had just left? Mm -hmm. The other theory is that her son actually ambushed her and murdered her because he was pissed by how he had grown up constantly on the run and that his big sister had way more of his mom's favor. So he had some mommy issues, but then also he was really upset about the fact that she never mourned his dad, let alone Sam star, because that became, became his family, you know, essentially Sam star raised him. And when he died, she just kept taking up more lovers and then, and married fairly quickly after. So he was upset about that too. Just kind of hated his mom and had apparently threatened her a few times for various other bullshit. <laughs> um, but also at one point when Pearl was like 16, she had some 16 or 17. She had someone she was wanting to get married to but Belle didn't want her to get married yet. And so Belle sent her daughter Pearl away to live with some other family. And while she was away, she found out that Pearl was actually pregnant. And so she threatened her that she had to go and see this quote, well-known doctor. Oh boy. Yeah. Or she would never be, basically she would be disowned by her mom and so while pearl was sent away to deal with her situation um bell had convinced pearls to be wedded one that pearl went away to get married to someone else and so he sulked off and married someone else wow yeah so lots of different theories but you know it was the late 1800s. So there's no um, real written record or even n way to know because she was just out on the plane <laughs> on a horse, you know? It's not mm -hmm. like there were iPhones to be recording that back then. <laughs> What's that? The traffic cameras for that matter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's You're crazy, but she, I love how she was such a like, mm, yeah, I don't want to just be like all the other women. I, I like uh, riding horses and shooting guns and being wild and crazy and an outlaw. Also, you're not going to tell me that I can't sleep around if I don't want, if I want to, you know. It is funny though, that she like flipped that coin and was like, but my daughter. Yeah. Has to Fucking, uh -huh. that's so weird to me but people do weird shit you know it was probably one of those things where it was hard on her she had to be super tough and just kind of survive and she dealt with the consequences of those choices that she made she was never really accepted by normal culture so although pearl ended up when she grew up running a 
an incredibly successful brothel. Like she was, she ran an empire. Dang. Yeah. You're got wealthy. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Your story really made me wish that somebody had made an um, Wild West version of Grand Theft Auto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way she's like, like constantly going out and stealing horses and <laughs> getting married. Dump That guy died. Getting married. <laughs> Next. <laughs> as long as he's an outlaw, I'm cool. <laughs> he's got to be able to catch, keep up with me. <laughs> funny yeah there we go starting off with at least one I'm sure you're gonna have a a good tough tough one for me (laughs) uh I just have a one that's near and dear to my heart I guess okay cool all right well let's take a quick break and you can tell me all about it okay All right, we're back. I have my beer in hand. I'm ready. <laughs> Mine is not. Maybe I should have a sip before I uh-huh. tell you. Mm-hmm. Sip away. Oh, God, this beer is so good. To dull, you don't mess around. Um, so I was kind of telling you this on our break, but I had a really hard time picking um, a subject because turns out I find a lot of women very inspiring, (laughs) but I kind of wanted to tell a story about somebody you don't hear about as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally just think is fucking great. Are you going to tell a story about me? (laughs) I'm not telling your biography today. Dang it, I should have done that. That would have been really funny. <laughs> oh my God. I'd be so uncomfortable. <laughs> You'd be giving me tea for days. You'd just I be like, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'd be like, I gotta go. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so the person, the subject I chose uh, is Mary Shelley, the author. So for folks that are like, I don't know who that is, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so Mary Shelley was born on August 30th, 1791. Um, she was born as Mary Wollstonecraft Wollstone Godwin in Summertown, oh. London, to the feminist and writer Mary Wollstonecraft, who, and also she was married to the philosopher and writer and journalist William Godwin. So those were her parents. Ah, gotcha. Um, sadly, her mom passed away pretty much right after she was born due to infections caused by childbirth, because in the way back when having kids was like fucking pulling straws, like, am I going to make it? (laughs) And yet they had so many of them. They were such, such tough, tough women. Yeah. Seriously. It's rough. Um, I don't even want to do it now. I mean, (laughs) you know, I was not good at it when I did it. (laughs) 
So although her mom passed away, her dad was thankfully not the kind of dad that's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to leave you to figure right. it out. You know, whatever. Ship you off to an aunt and uncle or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> he really wanted to raise his daughter. But not only did he want to raise his daughter, he also was the primary caretaker of Mary's half-sister, who was the result of her mother having an affair. Whoopsies. (laughs) The affair hadn't really been a secret. Um, Obviously, she ended up pregnant, but he was also pretty open about his knowledge of the affair um, in his book, Memoirs of the Author of Vindication of the Rights of Women, that was published in 1798, which he actually as a tribute to his late wife, Um, but he received really heavy criticism for writing that book because of his openness on that subject. Uh It's wrong. She was an adulterer. How could you raise the, you know, your wife's kid, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So Mary was overall a pretty happy child. And although her dad struggled for quite some time financially, Mary never went without. Her dad made sure they had everything. She had a governess and a daily tutor and also had access to a full library of books in his house, which I guess is the perk of your dad being a pretty forward thinker for the late 1700s. Right. But as you might imagine, being a single dad in the late 1700s was, as you put it, Courtney, no cakewalk. (laughs) (laughs) He did begin seeing a woman with the hope to remarry. Um, and in 1801, he did get married. Oh. And he would go on to marry Mary Jane Claremont, who was a very well-educated mother of two, who had also been previously married and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> most of her dad's friends were not a real big fan of the new wife. <laughs> um, evidently, she was described as being argumentative and had a really short fuse. And so, shocking no one, Mary was also not a huge fan. And those feelings were mutual. Her new stepmom decided she was going to send her daughter away, her daughter from her previous relationship, um, to go get a formal education at a boarding school. And she was going to make sure she got the best of the best. And like, Mary, does she need an education though? Does she? And did not send Mary to school. What a bitch. What a bitch. But Mary, do not, don't fret, because Mary was exposed to a shocking amount of well-educated people. Um, and as a result of that, became a very smart young woman. Yeah. Um, during this time, Mary's dad started to really have a hard time keeping his shit together financially um, and went into a shocking amount of debt. Um, and it kind of turned into a thing where he would borrow money to pay off a debt and then he would have to borrow um, money to pay that off. And it was this vicious cycle of never paying off debts, you know? Robbing pay- Peter to pay Paul or something like that. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so as a, a young teen, Mary's dad was like, you know what? I'm going to send you away to stay with my friend who happens to be a radical liberal politician um, and his close personal friend, William Baxter. And the reasons for this were rumored to either be a to expose her to the 
radical politics of the time or because he was trying to pull off some shady shit to pay off his home finances, which either one could have been possible. Probably the latter is more accurate. Um, And, you know, Mary really thrived in this environment because like I said, um, the Baxter residence was very liberal and uh, they had several daughters in the house and she became very close with all of them. And she just, she really found a lot of comfort living there. Hmm. And she loved it so much. She actually went back the next year to stay with them uh, for a while, just on her own accord. And later in her life, Mary would go on to speak about her time at the Baxters in very high regard and spoke about how those stays actually inspired her to first start really getting into writing. She had so much free time and just felt so inspired to write about her time there. Amazing. Um, sometime during this time period, Mary met Percy, I don't really know how to say his middle name, uh, Shelley. We'll hmm. call him, we'll just call him Percy B. Shelley. How about that? Okay. Um, and he was a poet and philosopher. Percy and William, <laughs> bless you. All right. <laughs> it's the corona. I'm just kidding. It's not corona. Um, <laughs> Percy and William, um, Mary's dad, had some sort of agreement going on that Percy uh, was going to help get him out of debt. Uh The arrangement, like the details to that arrangement aren't totally clear, but it is known that Percy had some pretty different economic views than his very wealthy family that he grew up in Hmm. and sort of had the idea that like he wanted to share their wealth And so when he would meet people that were less fortunate, he felt really compelled to just give them money and like get them out of debt. Cause he just was like, I have an abundance of money. Why would you have to suffer? Which is very, but that was how he rolled. Um, (laughs) What a world like that be like. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, but did I mention that Percy was married? Oh, so not long after they meet Percy and his wife separate. And then suddenly he is just visiting Mary a whole, whole bunch. He is just always visiting and they start spending lots of time together. And for reasons that aren't totally clear, he suddenly out of nowhere goes, Hey, William, I can't help you pay off your debt. And I'm not going to help you pay off your debt. He just abruptly backs out. So William's fucking pissed. But despite that tension, despite that tension, I should say, uh-huh. and Percy keep on seeing each other and meeting on the reg. But they don't just meet. They started meeting in the cemetery where her mom was buried, was where their meeting place was. And eventually, by the summer of 1814, the couple's little meetups turned sexual, like uh-huh. they do. And rumor has it that Mary lost her virginity in the cemetery, which I wrote in my notes. What a creep. <laughs> I'm I was like, like cool. <laughs> early era goth kids. Right. <laughs> um, so eventually her dad caught wind of their relationship and surprising no one was not a giant fan of this hmm. because kids do what they're going to do as we right. all know. 
July 28th, 1814, they decided they secretly were just going to fucking take off and elope and go to France. Hmm. They did. Um, but they also took Mary's stepsister, Claire Claremont, with them. So this Claire is Claremont. That's incredibly unfortunate. I <laughs> did that her name was going to be Claire. <laughs> Claire Claremont. Yeah. Awkwardly, at the time that they left, though, Percy's wife, yes, homeboy, was still married. Cool. Super cool. Extra chill. Oh, geez. Pregnant? His wife was pregnant. Oh, my God. He still ran off with Mary. Of course. So these three would go travel France until they eventually ended up in Switzerland. And then while they traveled, Mary and Percy spent a shitload of time reading, writing, and they decided to keep a joint journal, which years and years later was actually published. Um, yeah. yeah. Eventually the group started running low on funds. Again, that's what happens when you just decide you're going to not work and putz around in France. Be on vacation for your life. Yeah. So they kind of had to go back to England in September. It was like, that was a really fun summer. However, we're broke as fuck kind of a situation. Well, so the couple of them making money. <laughs> yeah, right? Come on, you can pick up a job here and there, but when you, who am I to say? So the couple who now are flat ass broke return home and much to Mary's surprise, which I don't know why or how, she is shocked to find that her dad has essentially cut her off but also she's pregnant. <laughs> womp womp. So Mary just never change. <laughs> no, right? They just don't. Mary and Percy end up moving in with Claire um, and they just carry on with their reading and writing routine. They like don't make any attempts to get jobs. They just are like, we're just gonna keep writing and whatever. Um, but soon after they get back, Percy's wife gives birth to his son and he could not have been happier. And he started spending a shit ton of time going back and forth between Mary and his wife. Yeesh. Yeah. Not so they're like kind of struggling, trying to cope um, with him spending so much time with his ex-wife. Yeah. She also started finding herself concerned with how much time he was spending with Claire Claremont, oh. her, her stepsister. And it is very likely that Claire and Percy were like carrying out a sexual relationship. And Mary was obviously not a fan of that, but then she, they went on Jerry Springer. Dude, <laughs> Mary did find some comfort though, in a friend of Percy's named Thomas Jefferson Hogg, or Hob, as they called him. Uh, uh-huh. um, and although initially she wasn't a really big fan of Hog, he eventually grew on her a lot. Um, but Percy had been kind of being like, hey, you should sleep with my friend. Hey, you should do that thing with my friend. Oh, my God. So although, so Mary in principle believed in free love. She was pretty open and for her time but she also still believed in having some boundaries and also she was pregnant so <laughs> um speaking of on february 22nd 1815 she did give birth to a daughter unfortunately her daughter was two months premature mm. only lived for a few days yikes 
was a bummer. Um, and I'm sure you would can totally understand. She was totally overwhelmed with grief. And during this time, she kept reaching out to Hog because she just felt like mm-hmm. my, my partner is like constantly gone. I just lost my kid. Like I am inconsolable, you know? And uh, so by the next summer, Mary was pregnant again, and this time by Percy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and around this time, Percy's grandfather died and mm-hmm. left him with a fuck ton of money. And oh. so they're like, you know what we should do? We should go travel again. <laughs> and so on January 24th, 1816, Mary gives birth to a son, first of all, um, who she named William after her dad, which I was like, oh, that's really nice. Um, And then that May, Mary, Percy, and their new son, they all go and they decide they're going to spend their summer with the poet Lord Byron. Ah. So Lord Byron and Claire had evidently been finger banging a bunch and Claire was now pregnant. So No, you get that with more than fingers. <laughs> Sorry, kids, to tell you this way. Sorry, kids. I'm gonna burst your bubble. Okay. So <laughs> for your hymen. For your- <laughs> oh God, sorry, that was so out of line. So- I loved it too much. Oh my god. Um <laughs> I'm crying now. Drink my beer and shut up. <laughs> Please don't shut up. Oh my god. So the group decides they're going to rent a villa, which personally sounds deluxe to me, by the way. Um, but they decided to rent, rent this villa on Lake Geneva, and they were joined by a friend of Lord Byron named John William Polidori, who was a doctor. Sure. At the time. I'm still crying. I'm trying to like, <laughs> trying to get my shit together. Um, so by this time, Mary has, they're not married, but Mary is calling herself Ms. Mary Shelley on this entire trip, by the way. Um, And she wrote in reference to this trip that that it was a wet, shitty summer. Like kind of, let's be real, kind of like a Seattle summer. Um, And so they were spending a little spring. (laughs) Seattle spring, same difference. Um, But they decide that they're, you know, what would you do in stormy, shitty weather? Well, let's sit around and tell ghost stories. Uh-huh. so they are doing this one afternoon into the evening and lord byron decides i'm sure they'd been drinking among other things at this time too but he says hey i have an idea we should all write we're all writers here why don't we write our own ghost stories mm. challenge all of you to write a short story and we're going to share them and so each morning the group would ask her like oh do you know what you're going to write about your story blah, blah, blah. what are you going to do for your story she just couldn't really decide. She couldn't really figure out what she was going to write. And it took a while until one evening when somebody asked her this question, she kind of just started talking and said, quote, perhaps a corpse would be reanimated. Galvanism has proven, proven token to such things. And then sometime after midnight, they all went to sleep, but Mary was now obsessed with her idea of her story. And writing what she intended to be just a short story but it ended up be- becoming later her first novel maybe you've heard of it frankenstein oh that one that little thing 
Um, and it was published in 1818. But so because historically, whenever a woman has done anything amazing, it's always assumed that it must have been done by a man. Uh -huh. Again, arguing over who actually wrote Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. um, fair to some extent. This was partially Mary's own fault because when she initially published it, she published it anonymously. Yeah. And I have a feeling she brought to be, again, to be fair to her, I think she probably did that knowing that a woman writing a story like that wouldn't get any recognition. But then right. when it didn't pick up, she was like, but I wrote it. <laughs> like, yeah. Wrote it. Yeah. And it was said, and it's still said by some people that are wrong, that Percy actually wrote the story and just yeah. took for it. Yeah. So Percy did encourage her to write this story and he even offered to edit and proofread it. Um, but Mary Shelley was in fact the author. And in 2018, a literary scholar and poet by the name of Fiona Sampson decided she was going to like kind of put this shit to an end once and mm -hmm. for all. And she went to Oxford and Oxford University used to have in their libraries, like all of the original like notebooks the on Frankenstein, like all the proofs basically that were Mary Shelley's included mm -hmm. all of the corrections and edits and anything Percy would have edited in his handwriting. Yeah. It, he did very little like his note. He barely even edited it from what she gathered. That's amazing. And she published all of her findings on this investigation in a biography titled in search of Mary Shelley that was published in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, so after leaving Geneva, Mary Percy and Claire moved back to England where they were now trying to keep Claire's pregnancy a secret, which I'm like, oh, I just feel like, <laughs> like, good Lord, you guys come on. Yeah. Yeah. Mary and Percy would go on to actually get married, um, just after Christmas of 1816. And just so y'all know, part of the motivation in him actually getting married is that around this time, both Mary's uh, half-sister that her dad helped raise mm -hmm. uh, killed herself, but then also his ex-wife killed herself. And Ooh. they actually had two children together mm -hmm. by the time he died. And he was trying to get custody of those kids. And her family was like, oh, hell no. You haven't been around. You've been flitzing around with your new lady friend and doing yeah. whatever. <laughs> and it was sort of suggested by his friends like hey if you maybe get your shit together and actually commit to your current partner you might have a better chance of getting custody yeah so they got married um and it was just like just right after christmas of 1816 that they got married um and then shortly after that january 13 claire gave birth to her daughter allegra so Mary and Percy would end up having, by now, three children together, including the previously deceased child. Um, but the couple's arrangement continued to be less than ideal. Now with Percy, because again, he inherited a fuck ton of money and then was like, hey, let's go travel around a whole bunch. Yeah. Shocking amount of debt yet again. And was dodging. Weird. A person didn't learn their lessons. <laughs> wow. What's happening? <laughs> Um, so they decided that the best thing to do because all these creditors were in London is that they would move to Italy. 
<laughs> and what the mom's gonna protect them <laughs> and when i say they moved to italy i mean all of them claire included of course uh, they're a throuple oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> once in italy the shelleys continued moving around they would meet new friends some of whom would travel and or live with them maybe be sleeping with them and they're all artists <laughs> um and they continued to read and write and do all their business and everything seemed to be going great until september of 1818 so remember frankenstein came out in 1818 so in theory this should have been a really great year for mm-hmm. her but their daughter clara passed away probably that I saw conflicting reports, but the most common thing I saw was dysentery. Mm. So they were also traveling on the Oregon trail and (laughs) (laughs) it's not funny. Dysentery is not funny. I'm sorry. Um, Every time I played that game, I died of dysentery. (laughs) Yeah. I still like, yeah, I don't know. It's my, my oxen had issues. Your oxen threw an axle. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, so less than a year after that, their son died from malaria. You gotta be kidding me. Shabam, Shabam, shabam. Like all this fucked up shit happens to her. And again, as you might expect, she went into an extreme depression and she kind of only wrote, like she just went down this thing and was like, you know what? I can't do anything but write anymore. And Percy and Mary would end up having another baby November 12th of um, 1819. And this kid who they named Percy Florence Shelley, which they named him Florence because he was probably born in Florence, Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, would thankfully live a full, healthy life. He lived to be. Oh, uh, um, but while the couple moved around collecting friends and travel buddies and evidently sexual partners, they became <laughs> close to one of those couples. I, it's funny. I wrote the wrong name, but I know what it is. It's Jane Edward. I wrote Jan, not Jan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jan. Um, the summer of 1822, Mary, Percy, Claire, Edward, and Jane all moved to an isolated villa on the coast of Northern Italy. Um, And at this time, Mary was pregnant yet again. Um, And this time suffered a horrific miscarriage. Like literally her husband packed her on ice so she didn't bleed to death because it was so bad. Yikes. And after that miscarriage, Mary went deeper into that depression. Yeah. And... Percy, as I'm sure that you have put together by now, was not the most compassionate partner. (laughs) And instead of helping her deal with her level of debilitation, he instead started spending a shocking amount of time with Jane Williams. Um, Right. Play toys. And in July of 1822, Percy and Edward... Um, and then a couple of other men, which included the captain of the ship, decided they were going to sail down the coast of Italy. Um, and they did make it to their destination. But when they decided to turn around and head back up, 
Um, they weren't really accounting for the weather and they were hit by a terrible storm and Percy drowned and died. Whoa. Again, Mary is just getting hammered. And just so that you can absorb, Mary was 25 when she was widowed. Holy shit. So all this shit happened to her before she was 25 years old. Damn. And... You know, she now being widowed and kind of at this point had been kind of doing, just rolling with the punches. She was struggling for a while to keep herself afloat financially. Yeah. Uh, but she would end up going on to write several novels, including The Last Man in 1826. Um, and even after his death, she remained super supportive to her deceased husband um, and was known to frequently promote his work, which he was a very well-known writer at the time. Um, but considering how crazy their relationship was, I'm a little surprised to be honest, but Mary Shelley died eerily similarly to my mother. When I was reading about her, I was like kind of shocked, but on February 1st of 1851 at the age of 53 years old, Mary Shelley died of brain cancer, which is just about the same age my mom was when she died of brain cancer. That's wild. Um, that wild. Yeah. And after her death, um, this is the part that pisses me off the most. So after Mary's death, she was frequently remembered as, quote, the wife of Percy Shelley. And other than Frankenstein, had mostly been regarded as the daughter of two successful authors who married a successful author who was essentially Percy's pet author. And like, almost like he had made her what she was because she married him, kind of a vibe. And on top of that, she was a young woman that lived during a time where women were expected to be more conservative, but instead lived a less than conventional life. Yeah. And attempts to kind of deduct that Mary had was a very radical politician um, and a very talented writer continued for years. And with the fame that theatrical adaptations of Frankenstein brought to Mary over the years, that also came with the opinion that she may have been a one trick pony, quote unquote, um, until well into the more recent decades that thought was maintained. Um, and this is partially to do with the fact that a lot of her works were out of print for like a shit ton of years. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm very happy to say that now she is recognized as a very important author in history, um, but also her writings in the political field are very held in very high regard. Um, and that, I mean, even before her, her mom was a fucking feminist, you know? That's badass. And I do want to say too, like Percy fucked around a lot and whatever, but actually so did she. Um, nice. He was okay. sleeping with everybody, but her son, Percy, in his later years when he was like a little older, he started kind of trying to rewrite his mom's history because he was a little bit embarrassed that his mom was so radical. Um, and he would try to like, kind of lie and be like my mom was my mom wasn't like that she was so conservative she was a lady um and i mean i'm kind of yeah. glad he was buying that shit because <laughs> it was not not the case 
Yeah. Very important lady. Very cool story. And now all I want to do is watch Frankenstein and drink. I know. And now I'm like, I want to find those political writings that she did. <laughs> I'm so curious. I mean, I have an idea, but I would love to know just how progressive she was back then. And I want to read her mom's books. Yeah. Really bad. Her Doesn't mom was a make you wish that you had been a writer. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, so another author I thought about writing about, which maybe now that I'm saying it, maybe some time later I'll think about doing it. But um mm-hmm. Charlotte Perkins Gilman, um, she wrote a short story. She wrote a series of um short stories, but mm-hmm. uh she wrote a story called The Yellow Wallpaper that my when I was a kid, my grandmother's best friend and I got very close. Mm-hmm. Um, her name was Woody. She is no longer with us. She would be like, I don't fucking 90 by now, probably if she was still alive. But um, Woody was an author and an I artist. Her name was Woody. <laughs> and she was a fucking trip. Um, quote of Woody. She drove a baby pink Chevy Malibu when we were kids. Nice. And she used to, this is so bad. This is so eighties. We would get in the car, my sister and I, and she would Uh immediately light a cigarette and then look at us and be like, this car doesn't run without nicotine. And we would just be like, okie (laughs) dokie. She also carried her own garlic salt in her purse to take to restaurants. She was one of those, so much fun. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. What do you first introduce me to the yellow wallpaper. And then uh-huh. I, I think it was my sister's like 30th birthday or something. I gifted it to her, but it's well, a basically like the yellow wallpaper is about a woman who is basically told by her physician husband that she's a crazy person uh-huh. and she is hallucinating and finds a woman trapped in the wallpaper. And it's a long story, but a long there. I mean, the hallucinating and wallpaper thing, but that her life is separately the the husband thing too. Her that author's life is fascinating is the reason I brought it up because she yeah. was like a woman that didn't really want to have kids in a family but was kind of told she had to. Ooh. And abandoned her family Ooh. to live if she wanted, which is super dark, but it's also like she was a lady that was like this isn't what I want and I know you don't like it, but like I'm not happy. And there's something to be said for that. There's so much to be said for just living your life the way you want to. It's so important. Because otherwise a ton of people get hurt in in most of all yourself. And I'm not saying like abandon your children, but um, in her case, probably don't have them if you don't want them. Yeah, very much that. But in her case, I have a feeling it would have been worse if she had stayed Mm -hmm. than if she had just left. Like her kids would have probably been more fucked up if she had stayed and hated them. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably been way more. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know, but yeah. Yeah. I fantasize about what would it have been like to be an author in the 18? I used to think about that all the time as a little kid. I've always kind of wanted to be an author, but you know, that whole, you actually have to follow through with things part is hard for me. 
I've had thoughts about writing books. I just never have time. (laughs) Yeah, that too. I do stay very busy. Hey, do you want to go travel the French countryside minus the finger banging? Let's do it. Depends on how how much we drink too, so. (laughs) Oh God. Oh boy. Oh, so with that, no. <laughs> oh, worst ending to a show ever. And or not. <laughs> You're welcome for the nightmares now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Man, there's she that's so much. That's so cool. It, I love how you know, we think of the 1800s as so far removed, but if you think about it, there are so many parts of that that really are not that removed. I mean, artists have always been that like fringe of what is socially acceptable, quote unquote, normal. And then there's the whole like thruple thing and then the, you know, the free love thing. And it's always been there. It's just that people finally started to talk about it and allow it to be, it's an okay thing. And I, I mean, it is kind of sad. Like I had to, my story was very long, Mm -hmm. but I really had it down a lot because. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. The meat in that sandwich that kind of got lost is they all were like kind of in a free love bohemian lifestyle for the most part. And Mm -hmm. you're kind of following like her timeline is like, she's very forgiving to that except to some extent, but she did have a very jealous personality and didn't Mm -hmm. really love her husband sleeping around a whole bunch. And she kind of did, but not to the extent he was. Yeah. But she severe depression she went through a lot of traumatic shit and felt so unsupported by her partner that's like the saddest part to me that is yeah for sure because there's there's I mean think about when you like your mental state when you feel like your life is out of your own control and that's in today's standards now think about how it was then like you as a woman you're kind of nothing without your husband and so you're just starting life without control yeah and there was a lot of that that she just constantly faced like I can't write anything unless I put down a man's name I can't you know do anything unless my husband's there I can't you know my husband's not even supportive and I have to pretend everything's fine (laughs) I love that of all the circumstances that Frankenstein, which is like one of the most important horror stories ever and most fun. Like it's just a fun yeah, and story. Cause it's, if you break down Frankenstein too. Yeah. There's a lot about what was happening in her life. Really? No control being told, resurrected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's pretty dark like when you break all of it down but uh, that's art that's what people do know it their outlet 
Find tattoo. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mac and Shelly. List of dolls yeah. for you. There you go, right? Well, I think we've hit it. Um, until next Monday, drink good local beer. You're welcome for the nightmares. And all the ladies out there, keep on keeping on. Happy women. women. Happy Women's Month. Yeah. Okay. Night, night. For more information, we can be found on Instagram at Seattle underscore on underscore tap. Email at Seattle on tap at gmail.com or our website, Seattle on You can also like us on Facebook. And all of the Seattle on tap original music is provided by Bubble Bathism, courtesy of the Subterranot Recording Collective. <laughs>